Hey there, friends. We need you to get on that forwardradio.org. Get over there and donate some time, talent, or treasure. We need you. We need your cash. We need your energy and your intensity and your great ideas to keep this station going, a community treasure in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Hey, everyone out there in radio slash and or podcast land. We are here to give you a little critical thinking idea or two. I think if you are here, you are here because you have hopefully some interest in critical thinking. Oh, yeah. You're going to be terribly bored, I think, otherwise. Yeah. and Despite the music. And it's about your critical thinking. So really, it's about you. Yeah. Yeah, it should be because you have to do it for yourself. No one can do the critical thinking for you. And uh, yeah, yeah. And that uh, disappointed sounding person over there is Patty Payette. Yes, that's me. And this gentleman here is laying on the truth bombs is Mm. Brian Barnes. Well, that is what they pay me the big bucks for here at Critical (laughs) Thinking for Everyone, which, by the way, has been shown in university studies to be nine times better at causing you to actually do the critical thinking than uh, just reading critical thinking. Wow, really? University study showed that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We are the uh, the COVID-19 of critical thinking. <laughs> yeah, we're we're more transmissible. We're more transmissible <laughs> intellectually speaking than chickenpox. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, the problem is it doesn't get out very much. So what we want you to do is take some of this critical <laughs> thinking, we want you to spread it everywhere, right? right? We want you to rub it on the stuff, we want you to yell it at the thing, we want you to Yeah, uh, not stop talking about and it. And it's fine if you have your mask on, it's fine if you're socially distanced, but you need to do that thinking. We need you to we need you to get that going. Um, we think that if, I mean, dare we say everyone or something even remotely like it were to engage in critical thinking on the regular, uh, there'd be a lot uh, better, fairer uh, world. And that's ultimately what we're striving for. And we're yeah. starting with one li- one listener or two who's ever out there at a time. One listener or two at a time. <laughs> and you could be anywhere. We have... We, we have been so delighted to have found listeners from all over the globe. Of course, that could be your VPN hiding wherever you are. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe yeah. we're wrong about whatever those locations are. Well, those are. Latvia people, we, we think that they're listening, and we're so happy when we see them on our stats. We're still delighted if you wanted to reach out. You or anyone else uh, want to reach out to Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. We absolutely um, are ready to respond yeah. to whatever you're into. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so the goal of the show, as we have been saying in a very indirect, unusual way, <laughs> is to help you as a listener think in new ways to really, it's sort of like push-ups for your brain. Yeah, yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair because, you know, what's one push-up do for you? I mean, you might do one push-up and then you might not do a push-up again for years. And so what did that one push-up do for you? Mm-hmm. Not, not a lot. Um, one critical thinking move. I mean, arguably, your one critical thinking move, if well-timed, could be something that people want to talk about for years, right? That's like, right. But, 
I don't know. I mean, I think we can probably do better if we think that critical thinking, as you suggest, Patty, is something like development. You know, mm. that's not just doing it once or whatever is not development. Yeah. And boy, that doesn't make it sound very fun. But that's kind of where we come in. Well, you know, training takes on a lot of different forms. And of course, it is self-training. So I'd like to say you could probably make it as fun as you want since it's for your own uh, mind and you're doing it on your own. And also, you're going to pick your own examples like you're going to be the one that decides what it is you're thinking about and when you're thinking about it and how important it is, uh, all, all that stuff, and you're going to decide which area of your life you apply it to. It seems like you have the every opportunity to make this interesting for yourself. Yeah, and today's topic is grand because... It does apply to everyone. It does apply to everyone? Yes. Wow. How I could think, that be? I think it does. How could does. it even be? I know that's a bold statement. Really? I mean, <laughs> we even have it in the title of the show, and sometimes I shake my head and go, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's for everyone. Yeah. So today's topic is, ready? Ready. Time management. Oh, man. I don't know if it's for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair, fair. I think it's a pretty... Uh, a perennial topic, right? There's sure. all, a oh, lot yeah. of ink has been spilled about time management, yep. lots of theories, lots yep. of approaches. Yep. So, so what got really, what got me going is I saw this article about a new book about time management. I'm like, oh, ho-hum, a new book about this. <laughs> but yeah. it, it really caught my attention, some of the premise here. Okay. And so I thought this would make a juicy critical thinking topic. Well, that sounds good. I mean, I'm going to start off with the assumption, uh, you know, my own point of view, I guess, that the best life is a life in which you really don't have to do much time management. The best life is one that you don't have to do much time management. Um, that's probably, I would say that's a safe statement. Yeah, a best life. Although, to be best and to be really fulfilling, you want to be intentional. And then to be intentional, you have to make decisions about your time and your energy. So, uh, I don't know. Do you you have to be intentional to be happy? Oh, man. Can't you just go, can't you just lay back and go, ah, the sun and like eat a carrot and then later on you're like ah the moon and then you like pet a dog and then and then you're at the beach and then and you then have children you're... and the where they go <laughs> but i'm back at the beach i mean it just seems wow. like it, it just seems like if i it seems like you could in my naive conception, perhaps, feel free to reach out to us at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. In my naive conception, it would seem like a person with very few responsibilities and very little in terms of direction might yet achieve quite the happy existence. Well, I would tend to agree with you, but there's a whole new phenomenon where people retire Mm. and they go, now what? Right. And they wake up and they say, wow, I don't want to spend the next 15 years in a rocking chair. I got to find meaning and purpose and direction and a new right, a new chapter. Do something with myself. Oh, yeah. But I would say that the whole notion of retirement is artificial in the first place. Right. I mean, it's it's totally artificial that I would somehow end my productive work and just 
what do nothing yeah the conventional idea of behind it yes for yeah sure. i don't think that that's sure. I, I i don't think that's for everyone all right well let me start i'm going to enter this conversation in, in a slightly different i'm going to take a little tack different tact okay all right, here we go so, sale is up rudder okay. is moving <laughs> okay tack so we're going to start with a really interesting article about why human beings tend to have trouble with time management anyway okay so like okay. what's the problem before okay. we get into it let's start with why are we why do we even need this as human beings yeah. right okay yeah, sure. so let me start this with a question okay great. i want you to cast your mind back it is now the middle of august i want you to cast your mind back to the middle of may uh, okay. right around middle the time of, of your all birthday right, okay all right, sure all right. okay and i want you to think about the plans you had for the summer okay <laughs> I want you to tell us what your how long was that list of stuff you were going to get done this summer? I mean, it was long. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And how'd you do? Looking now in August, school about to start. Yeah, I did okay. I've got I've got um, you know some things that are in operation, and I've got some so I've got some things that are going fine. I've got some things that are just a touch behind. I've got some things that have fallen apart. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, a little bit of everything. And I've got, yeah, and I've got um, the opportunity, if I can manage to, you know, sort of keep all of my, if nothing else falls apart this week, I've got the opportunity probably to to just be one project behind when uh, the semester starts. I love that you just said, if nothing falls apart, because, oh, man, that... That is right into the research. That really, okay. okay. So you just enumerated some of the categories of the things you wanted to get done. The like some things got done, some you're a little behind. Okay, so this article is called, This is Why Your Brain Sucks at Time Management. That's okay. the name of the article. Okay. And it's by Art Markman. Okay. Markman. Markman, okay. Markman. Oh, well, Markman. Sure. Whatever. All right. Yeah. He's a college professor. All right, okay. Markman. And for, for two decades, he's been a college professor, probably like you. Okay. Sure. And you know what he says? What do you say? He says, I have been a college professor for a long time, and you'd think I'd be good at planning my summer. Like, mm. you think by now I'd have a realistic sense of what I can get done in a summer. Mm. And he says, every single time I have a grand ambition, long list for the summer, and every single time, I accomplish way less than I expected, okay? okay? Uh -huh. And he says, this is why I blame my brain, okay? Hmm. He says, one of the th things that research shows called temporal construal, how we construe time, okay? Okay, as human beings. This is what I mean. We're human beings, right? We're not, I heard of that. We're not computers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's psychological research that says it's not just that time isn't the only variable, like when you're making a list of here's everything I'm going to do this summer. It's not just about time. Your brain is wired to understand things that feel far away from you in time or space or even your social network. It's much more abstract than when things are close by, when are close sure. to you, sure. you know? Yep. Yep. So yep. he says this makes intuitive sense. But it doesn't always factor when we plan our time. So when you're thinking of a project, when you're planning a project, its middle and end stages are farther away from you than its beginning, which means they're going to be more abstract. And 
you might have to work with other people and you're not knowing far sure. away. Sure. Like, well, oh, so-and-so is having an issue. Okay, so now I'm having an issue. Or I had a car accident and now I got to deal with that. Or I didn't expect these 10 other emails that popped up. So, yeah. so right, we don't far away. We can't see the obstacles in the road, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we don't factor them in. Mm-hmm. We just see smooth. Mm-hmm. We see three months from now, wow, look at my nice white space on my calendar, <laughs> right? Whereas next week, if I said to you, hey, Brian, I want you to do this workshop for me, and it's, by the way, it's going to be next week, immediately what your reaction, your brain is going, Ugh. right, <laughs> I've got, what do you mean? I've got uh, 13 other things uh, I have to do today, yeah. let alone, but if I said, hey, next October, middle of October 15th, yeah. I want you to do this workshop with me, your brain's sure. like, oh, pff, October, <laughs> No problem. Okay. Okay. It's because of the proximity of time. Yes. Mm. Temporal construal. But a lot of people are successful. Yes. Okay. What are We're we going to talk about that. Okay. We're going to talk about that. But All I, right. I want to roll around in the problem first. I want okay. us to be clear about the nature of the problem. Okay. That time stays the same. Mm-hmm. It's our brains that, you know, are not. So this is, this is how at work. And in my life, how I've actually com- combated this. All right. Okay. Yeah. There's a future patty and a current patty. Sure. Every 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 moment. Right. <laughs> and so the current patty has sometimes learned the future patty. For example, if you said to me, "Hey, would you host a dinner party for me for these colleagues?" and I'll be like, "Oh, that sounds great." And we get out our calendars and we're looking, and it's like you're like, "Well, the." date that everyone can do it is September 30th. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, okay, I'm leaving town the next day. And like old Patty, you would be like, no problem. I'll just plan ahead, right? I can have, help you throw a dinner party the day before I'm leaving town, right? Sure, and I, sure. But the the now this wiser, sadder but wiser Patty is like, <laughs> there is no way that I'm going to, I know time. I know it looks innocent right now. But I know from experience, ouch, there's no way I can pull that off without great emotional <laughs> and temporal distress to me. And so sometimes I'll say to myself when that time comes, wow, past Patty was really looking out for future Patty because I did not make a big scheduling error that in the past I would make repeatedly till I learned my lesson. Okay. And that was why you said that, that it makes you sad, too. Yes. Yeah, okay. Sadder but wiser. Okay, is this yeah. so does this relate back to the thing that we were discussing earlier about you know, maybe if there wasn't much time scheduling, we'd be happier, have better lives? Um Does that does that work yeah, here? Yeah, if we yeah, in the sense that if we didn't have all this stuff to juggle, if we had fewer balls that we were worried about keeping up in the air and mm-hmm. having to do that, mm-hmm. we would be happier because we've had fewer things to do. But he says, be careful, though, mm. because if you sometimes people fall in the trap or, OK, no problem, no problem. I've got these 12 balls. I have to get all this done. OK, I'm going to sure. sit down and I'm going to write all these emails and I'm going to get it all done and organized. But guess what happens? Four hours later, you sit down. Everybody has responded to those emails. Yeah. So now you have actually more work. Yeah. I'm so, well aware of the right. Yeah. You see, so they said there's like a tipping point around like if you're too productive, then more work comes your way because sure. you're known as being super productive. Sure, sure. See, there's all these traps. All these traps. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it almost makes you almost makes you just want to let things go. 
How's that? <laughs> just let the balls fall and well, crash. You know, and then they... I don't need to. I mean, I'm not going to have to throw them five times that way. That's for yeah, sure. Just let them go. Or, or sometimes I've learned this lesson this way. I like, for example, I had the day off yesterday. Mm. I did not look at my email at all because I was off, and I put an away message on. When I came back, some of the issues earlier in the day got resolved by other people later in the day. Okay. Because I was away and not answering my email. I didn't have to deal with it. Nice. It's nice to have a team. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know that doesn't work for everybody. Sure. Uh, but so what the, the gist here is that we are not good sometimes at managing our own. The farther something is away, yep. the harder it is to, to realistically estimate, A, can we add this onto our plate? How how long, how much time will it take? What other things are going to get in the way that we don't even know about mm -hmm. between now and then? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So time can time management can be a bear, okay? Sure. So here's a couple of the workarounds. Before we get into this new book that I thought was really something, mm. here are a couple of workarounds that Art suggests. Tell me if you think any of these are legit. Okay. Okay, here's one of the workarounds. Okay, first thing he says is first thing you do is you tackle the time variable first. Remember I said there's people asking you to do stuff. There's all these variables that can get in the way. But he says the first one is try to tackle the time variable. Try to mentally reduce the distance between present and future when you plan. How? Start by thinking deliberately about the tasks you need to do as specifically as possible. That may mean fleshing out hypothetical scenarios in greater details, but so be it. Plot it all out on a timeline. Make a realistic estimate of the number of hours you'll be able to devote to those steps amid what's likely to be a hectic schedule. Remember sure. I said I've learned to factor in hecticness. Sure. I used to not do that. A good way to do that is to imagine that you're scheduling the whole project for next week rather than next month or next quarter. Pretend the start date and the end date are much sooner than they are. That can help trick your brain into accounting for all the things that are likely to interfere with your progress down the road. In other words, you go, oh, my God, if I had to do that dinner party Friday, it would require, wow, these 25 steps. So, hmm. wow, if that's really what it involves in, in two months from now, I'll probably have a lot of those same 25 steps in the middle of my week. Yeah. Ah. Hmm. Hmm. So you kind of like take the object that appears farther and pull it closer and go, hmm. Yeah, I mean, that might work. I know a lot of people, if they can convince themselves that the thing is due or is going to happen sooner, mm -hmm. then that, that's catalyzing somehow Yeah, because they tend to procrastinate. Yes. Like, is that, I mean, is that, are we, are we playing to human weakness in this? Is that kind of the, we're paying, the playing the to human sort of our natural blind spots about estimating time and our energy and ability and planning. That's what we're playing to, like our own human fallibility around mm. being able to estimate those things. Yeah, of course, some people aren't very good even at future planning at all. So this kind of a, I don't know, uh, I, 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 I suppose this would help the people if they could make themselves do it who never plan. Right. Because then you could see factors you don't normally think through under any uh, time frame, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's why not everything fits for everyone, but this is a workaround that he said that, that deals with the issue about construal, whereas your temporal construal, remember, I'm trying to estimate time. So if I pull it closer to imagine, wow, if I had to do this this weekend, yeah. 
oh, okay, so then you sort of extrapolate, oh, so then October, my life isn't going to be that different. Right. I'm still going to have to do the amount of work. It just right. feels like it'd be easier in October because it's a little bit farther away, right? Like the mountain that you're looking up at versus the mountain that does, oh, that doesn't look too bad. But mm-hmm. when you're standing looking straight up at it, you have to take the first step. That's hard. Yeah, that's, that's – I mean, one of the problems with this is that if if – you're a person who's motivated maybe by the stress in some way Ooh, of the things. Oh, yeah. Then if it if it gets a little bit closer, you might find yourself responding in a rushed way. Like if you're a person who normally is catalyzed that way. And then you might find yourself making the same kinds of mistakes that you do when you're on – you know, the real deadline. Mm. I mean, I suppose the good, you know, hopefully you would then catch that, right? You'd, yeah. you'd go back and say, oh, yeah, but, but I mean, <laughs> let's hope that that happens. I'm not sure that that would always happen. Well, I'm, I want to talk to you about future Brian, but before I do that, let me tell you oh, the man. second workaround. Future Brian does not exist. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> Here's the second workaround, all okay? Right, right. Second, just build in padding to account, not patty padding. Okay, gotcha. To account for all the aspects of the scheduling process that you didn't think of explicitly. Assuming a project will take between 10 and 25% longer than you expect is a good place to start. It's basically just a way of rounding up to make more room for your mental blind spot in the time management department. Just the way you do with like they always say like when you're planning a a renovation, right? Always plan for like a month longer and like X dollars more. Like, but do that with time. Just factor in, like, you know, I don't think I can do all five of those errands on Saturday afternoon. I think, you know, um, maybe or no, I got to do those errands. So, you know what? Instead of thinking I can squeeze them in in two hours, I better plan for two and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, you certainly can because things happen. The problem is the more stuff you pack into your life, the more difficult that becomes, right? Maybe there isn't another 25% to add anywhere. Yes, you so. are a man speaking from experience. Oh, I well, I mean, yeah, I wasn't really thinking of me, but certainly me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of you. Well, thank you. I think that if we talk about um, working on that future planning stuff, it the more crowded the calendar gets, the the um, the more attractive that particular strategy sounds, but that also means if you're a person who really packs things into the calendar, that you'll likely miss various things, right? I mean, you'll miss um, opportunities. Well, maybe, okay. Maybe we don't care about that. I think this other author that we're about to talk about is really going to ring your chimes. Ding, ding, ding. But before we do that, I want to know, how does current Brian take care of future Brian when it comes to, like, when you know things are going to be busy, mm-hmm. how do you create, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? It's like a, not a gatekeeper, but it's sort of like a, how do you? A bouncer? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That's not quite the word. But, yeah, how do you, like. How do you manage? How do you help future Brian when things start to really kind of be rushing? Sherpa. The best thing that I've found I can do for future Brian is to try to get things done in the timeline that I plan because I've I've noticed that my real strength is planning. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Give us an give us an example. Well, it's real easy to plan how and when you should do things in a complicated schedule, right. particularly if you don't have to then go do that. <laughs> in mean in theory, it sounds good. Well, yeah. I mean, you put the things down on paper and you go, "Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely." Do you build in your Definitely travel time? It. Sure, all that build stuff. Build in you your get travel time, yeah. But then, you know, when it comes down to actually doing that, then of course, there are issues of energy. There are issues, of course, of other things that pop up like we're talking about. I've just found that if you really have to have a strength, my strength is on building these systems. Wow, I can really build a system. But, um, you know, sometimes I really need a little bit of, of work to actually get that system, everything in that system or on that list accomplished precisely when it should have happened. And so that's if I can if I can hit those marks, if I can make those plans and then actually get there, that helps future Brian because frankly, there's a whole other <laughs> calendar of stuff starting as soon as this one's over. So if this one has to go any longer than normal yeah. or longer than expected, boy, that's a problem. And there've been too many times when I've just lived with that for Mm. Long time. Weeks and weeks and weeks sometimes because you just get a little bit behind. There's no catching up. There's no time to catch up ever. past Brian tries to help future Brian by saying, okay, here is a calendar of all the, you know, I've plotted out when I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, so so past Brian's trying to help future Brian. Yeah. And then what happens is future Brian gets into that. And then what happens? Well, Well, things get in the way. Well, it depends. It depends. Sometimes they just take longer. Sometimes Uh they get really interesting. Oh, "Oh, well, maybe I'll spend an extra bit of time with this. And then you're like, whoa, where'd my time go? Yeah. Or maybe, you know, I mean, it could just be any number of things. I just I think I'm just trying to point out that it is its own skill creating the system and a separate skill is kind of doing the work Following in the it. system. Yeah. And okay. they're they're not mutually exclusive at all. They should be complementary. It's just that they really different people have different strengths and I I used to really think I was a a work in the system person. I thought that was really my strength, but I've found that I'm a lot more likely <laughs> to get the planning done on time than I am to get the, <laughs> the work, work done. done. Yeah, and it's and wow. it's it's not that the work doesn't get done. It's just there's It a, looks nice on paper though, right? There's, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and satisfying. It's <laughs> satisfying. Oh my god, look at that symmetry. I finally harnessed my time. Look Hold at that. Part. Yeah, oh look yeah. I'll that. put it on the wall and be like, look at this. In this nice look at all these categories and people are looking at it like, what is that? That's my life. All that's right, my, that's, that's my, my life week. right there. But then you got to do it and you go and all of a sudden uh, it's like when you start actually tracking it, you go, oh, right. it took 15 minutes longer. This one had to just get rid of it all. <laughs> you know, oh. Okay. So this book, you're going to love this book. Mm. All right. But before we go into this book, right. I think each of us should share the best advice we've gotten for time management and the worst advice. Okay? Um, so Well, since you've been thinking about this longer than me, you'll have to go I'll first. I'll go first. Okay. Right. I'll tell you my worst advice first okay. because you're going you're gonna to freak out when you hear my best advice. All right. Okay? Yep. Here's my worst advice. All right. I was in Kinko's. <laughs> okay. I look over at the airport book rack in Kinko's. Sure, sure. And there's a book. It's called Never Check Your Email in the Morning. And it is 
it is a time management book. Okay. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm going to get up. I'm going to spend an hour getting ready, going to work. I'm, and then I'm just not going to check my email. Really? I'm not going to find out what happened since I last log off. I'm not going to see what kind of requests are coming in. I'm not going to see what fires I have That's to put out. I'm just, and you know, what's the rationale? Do you know the rationale behind it is? Is it like if you go into the morning with... Uh, an empty, clear mind or something, then you'll be more productive. Yeah. And like use that time, get, don't have any restrictions, distractions, use that time to get done. Like the stuff that needs to be distraction free. Don't let email kind of crowd your mind in your desktop and just like, that was the thinking. Okay. The bad, bad advice for me. Sometimes email is the work. (laughs) Thank you. And so if yeah. I, yeah, oh man. Oh yeah. Oh, actually, it's funny you should say that because I'm gonna sneak in another. I'm gonna um, uh, facilitator's prerogative. I'm gonna slip sl- slip in another bet since you said that. Another piece of advice. Yeah. Don't use your email box as a to do list. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm supposed to have a separate, list. Have a separate sure. list of all these requests yeah. and comments and things. No, yeah. I use that. That, uh, mm. that takes so long. Yeah. I mean, when you have. <laughs> When you have, like, I got so close. Really? I got down to five. <gasps> oh, you did? In my you did? Yeah, and they were not solvable. I'm in a short and? and? And now I have 50. Oh. All just, I mean, waiting for various wow. levels of work for me. Really? Yeah. And 50, unfortunately, is where it stays <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm really wow. happy when I can get it down to like 20. And it's never like student emails or something like that. It's these projects and stuff. Like and big, hairy, messy oh, things. Like, like, oh, just, you know, if you work with university equipment and you need a repair done <laughs> on that university equipment, oh. wah, what in the world? <laughs> the system is just bananas. I mean, it has... So many moving parts. The Cirque du Soleil juggler could not keep up with this stuff. It is ridiculous. And so I'm in here with, like, just these emails on top of these emails. And then out of nowhere, somebody's like, hey, want to get together? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. But you just have to hang out in my inbox for six months, my friend. I mean, really, when I get back. Wow. It's tough. It's tough sometimes because I just cannot. And I apologize to those people who have sent me email. I'm like, hey, you want to do a thing? And I'm like. It's because Brian got, yeah, he was on his way to answering and he got tripped over that other Some of those emails, email. I look at them like every day or two and I'm like, I should really sit down and, and answer this email <laughs> that has, you know, a relatively, I've got this one really involved email I've been sitting on for quite some time. And every time I go back to it, it is so long and there's so much work in it. And I just go, wow. Uh, I'm not up for that. Is this even a thing that's even relevant at this remove? <laughs> oh, see, so yeah, that's another technique. Like uh, people ignore it and hope that it goes away uh, or someone else solves away. it. Okay, but Zombie what, is it, what does that mean that I have several thousand in my inbox? What does that mean if I have several thousand? So I have several thousand, but they're archived. They're not in my inbox. I mean, oh, you, you keep them in your inbox even I, after you work them? Oh, no, I just delete them. But I have all these things that I just run out of steam and I didn't delete. I answered them but didn't delete them. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah, different. So I that's mean, everything different. everything yeah. in my inbox, I'm working it. Okay. All right. See, it. I wish I could be like that. Okay. Best well, advice? Best advice? Okay. Right. So Best worst advice. advice was don't use your email as a um, to-do list and don't check your email in the morning. Okay. Next one. Best advice? Eat that frog. 
Oh my God, with the frog. <laughs> I knew, oh. I knew you were gonna have oh, that reaction. Folks, Brian Tracy, who is <laughs> who is Brian Barnes's uh, doppelganger. Oh my goodness. Is a man who has written many airport books and we did one, maybe two shows about his interesting philosophies about how you just change your life by how you think. And we, you know, poked some critical thinking holes into that. Anyway, but he has this thing called Eat Eat That Frog where he says, the fact that's the whole book title is Eat That Frog. And the concept is you take the gnarliest weirdest hardest like those emails that you do not want to deal with and you take the project that you're just like oh i'm gonna it's on my to-do list but i'm just gonna kind of skip over it every time you know because it's just too messy or too much work or too too much thought or i don't not ready or i don't have the eh, i don't feel like doing it and you deal with it do it eat that frog eat that messy frog and then when that's done you feel such a strong sense of you do. accomplishment you do i just wish i didn't have so many damn frogs you have too many frogs too many that's frogs. part of your problem a lot a lot of days i get up and i eat that frog and it's like <laughs> there's all these other frogs there's so, there's so many gnarly frogs sitting there and i'm like yeah. God, come on yeah frogs and you have eight frogs before breakfast <laughs> like, i don't know i don't know how many of these people do i feel for you friend Ooh, i thanks. feel for you friend all that's right okay just too many hats well, oh, that's next week's show. Okay. All right. We're doing hats. hats. DeBono, six thinking and hats. And maybe next week's show will be the video show. Mm. We are planning on it, but we yeah. had a, there was a technical delay that had nothing to do with us. Yeah, but you know what? I have the hats ready. I have all the colored hats. And, and we have other fancy things for people to watch us engage with. Yeah, so that's next week. Okay, so any good or worst advice about time management you want to share before we, we dive into this um, great book. Well, the absolute best time management advice I've ever received is, yes. is to use a calendar. Really? Yeah, is to is to put things on a calendar. And I resisted it for a very long time. I would just keep things in my head. Oh, my gosh. I mean, for so long, I kept them in my head. And then I started... That's some confidence in future Brian. <laughs> my family does this. My family does... My family... Some... I, th- there was this grandmother that I had that was really into using the calendar, but... Most of my family members don't apparently use calendars. Really? Like if they do, there's no like there's no calendar anywhere. There's there'll be a scrap of paper with a note on it or something like that. But mainly they just remember. Wow! Wow! That's that's that some way, old school. Like yeah, growing up, it was like you just remember. You know, Thursday we're doing this uh, after whatever, and then wow. we're doing this, and there you know yeah. we practice on these days. I mean, it was yeah. just the schedule was in everybody's head. Wow. And then uh, I got, I guess I got to the army and suddenly it was like, nah, this isn't going to work. Especially when I was, um, when I was in language school and I was doing lots of things in addition to just, you know, being in the army, there are all these, you know, classes uh, and yeah. appointments and various things you had to do. And I mean, different on different days of the week, it was different times and I couldn't. I just could not keep it all straight, and I started to. I started to screw things up, and uh, I started mm. thinking about the calendar, and uh, I started. Yeah. Got one, and it it changed, changed. your life. Yeah, it really changed did. your life. Really, just just using it, and I've changed different ways I do it over the years, but I I really think it's valuable. I'm I'm a calendar person too, and mm. so I relate to that. Mm. I'm glad you. Wow. 
that's all right. Any bad any bad advice? Just keep it in your head. <laughs> I'll, I'll, just I'll remember. remember. I'll remember. Yeah, yeah no. Oh, I no. don't know. I mean, bad advice, probably, probably I would have to think a lot about that because my conception of time management, like so many other things in my life, is really a function of combined um, activity, combined uh, interactions with different points of view, all of which kind of moved me a little bit toward whatever I'm doing now. So, mm. yeah, I can't. I, you know, there have been some stinkers, but. But um, you're you you've yeah you you've done a lot of the sorting out already. I think you've so. done a lot I, of the sorting again, out. Again, I don't you know again other than just that idea about maybe you can keep it in your head or something. Yeah, bad. I don't bad. know if there've been too many yeah. bad ideas. Okay, so this book is a new book. Okay, a 2021 book, and it's by Oliver Berkman. Okay, okay? and get okay. this, it's called. Well, first of all, the name of this article about Berkman, like an interview, is called The Best Time Management Advice is Depressing but Liberating. (gasps) I love that. Depressing but liberating. That's a trade-off I think you might like. No. (laughs) Listen, you can make time for things that matter or you can make time for more email. Boom. That's that is a fundamental and powerful concept here. So this is is what he says. Yeah. He says, okay. So he Oliver Berkman calls this book 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals. And he guesses what, where, what 4,000 weeks adds up to. What is 4,000 weeks? 4,000 weeks? Is that is, the amount of time that you work typically? No, that is if around age 80. That's If you live to age 80, you're going to have 4,000 weeks that you have man that's going to be your time to quote unquote manage that's your life 4000 weeks i don't know okay? if i can manage it if it's already 80? passed very well well see that's <clears throat> part of the that's part of the point oh, is we go. that okay, okay all right. so now your grandfather of course roy bless him is yeah. way beyond 80 yep he is. so he's had many more weeks and yeah. my understanding from getting to know him a little bit is he's used some of his time very well let's hope Okay, I think so. Okay, so this is what he says. He says that first, what you need to do is have an inner shift in perspective or what we call, right, a paradigm shift. And he says, so this is where critical thinking comes in, right? It's how you think about it. He says that he wants you to confront a series of comforting illusions that hold many of us back from this cold, hard truth, which is... We will die not having done a tremendous number of things we care about. Okay. That, excuse me, every commitment we make to a person, place, or line of work rules out countless others that may fulfill us, that our lives are already ticking away. So basically what he's saying that we will, every commitment or everything we do is a trade-off to something a yes that we've said to someone because we've had to say, which requires us to say no sure. to something like you said that we personally might be like, ah, I just want to lay here and look at in the grass and pet a dog and write like that. That sounds sure. good. But you know yeah. what? I got to do this job or I got to say this, return this favor or I got to take care of a family or whatever it is. Right. Sure. sure. So 
He said that that is the cold, hard truth. Every yes we say to a commitment is no to something during those 4,000 weeks that could be really fulfilling to us personally. Yeah, All yeah, right? sure. Yep. So he said, uh, the, uh, the interviewer says, time management gets framed as a matter of boosting your productivity with something like a new morning routine, right? That's the advice we've been learning. Like Absolutely. a lot of time management is just about like, get her done. Okay. <laughs> this is how you get stuff yeah. done. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. so much of time management. And, but the uh, reviewer, the interviewer says, but you notice that doesn't often reduce stress, right? That doesn't actually, it sort of lets, it's almost like getting on the hamster wheel. I'm just going to teach you to run faster, but you're still mm-hmm. on the hamster wheel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the author Berkman says, that these tips work in the sense that you'll process more incoming inputs, but we're living in a world with effectively infinite inputs. Emails you should receive, demands that could be made of you, ambitions that you could have, getting better at moving through them is not going to get you to the end of them. Mm. In other words, it is a hamster wheel. You're never going to get to the end of your to-do list. That's an illusion. Sure. It's always just growing. Sure. So the promise of reaching a point at which you feel on top of everything is flawed. Don't take time in. Don't eat that frog thinking, once I eat that frog... Oh, man, uh, it's done, right? I'm not having to eat any more frogs. <laughs> well, certainly not. And the more efficient they'll, you they'll get. They'll hop around. Right. The yeah. more inputs you attract, right? Sure. So it's yeah, kind of counterintuitive. The more you get done, the more things will come your way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's here's the trick. Here's the paradigm shift, right? right. It's not about let me get to inbox zero. All it's right. actually, he says, It's about acknowledging that we are finite, limited creatures living in a world of constraints and stubborn reality, right? That's right. The I'll never get everything done. Uh, The list will always be long. Once you're no longer kidding yourself that one day you're going to become capable of doing everything that's thrown at you, you get to make better decisions about which things you're going to focus on and which things you're going to neglect. So he's saying it's basically a trade-off. At what point do you say, okay, I can't do everything. I can't juggle. So these are the things I am going to juggle. These are things I'm just going to leave or let fall on the ground. These are the things I'm going to commit to. He said, because if you're not facing that truth, every time you have a new idea for some project you'd like to start, You're going to err on the side of adding it to the list because you're not realizing I'm going to have to neglect something else in order to do this. Mm. Right? It's like a pie. You can't keep cutting it into, you know, a smaller slice. Eventually, there's not going to be any more pie. Sure. Yeah. That's how it is. But as depressing as it might be. Right, but productivity culture thinks, oh, you have to, it's just about managing the pie. I'll teach you how to slice it in all these ways. You'll you'll have plenty. No, you won't. What do you think of, what do you think of his paradigm shift? Well, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a downer. You were right. I mean, I think that it's a, um, it's a tough way to look at the world if what you're trying to do is to get a lot of different things done. I mean, I think that the assumption in a great many cases is that I will have a bunch of unclaimed time that I'm then passing on to some of these new projects. I think that's the 
assumption that we make that I sort of have this whatever I call free time or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm going to have free time. So, oh, I'll figure it out later. Yes. I'll say yes and figure it out later. And mm-hmm. he says, no, there's no figuring it out later. There's just stuff, your other stuff you're not going to get done. Yeah. But, but you know, some of that stuff is trivial, right? I mean, if the decisions that you're making are decisions that are in line with your highest ideals and goals and all that and satisfy your life ambitions, I don't know, then maybe you can let those other things go. I mean, isn't that part of, you know, wisdom or whatever? Right. It's part of the calculus. You got to decide. And he's got some other really good gems in here. Okay. All right. He says um, he has a little caveat. I don't think he says, I don't think that getting more efficient at things is wrong. Right. Mm. If you can clean your kitchen or pay your bills more quickly, that's great. But you can have efficiency in the absence of a deeper understanding of what it's all for, which ultimately is to spend more of your limited time on things that matter deeply to you and less on things that don't. A life spent chasing the mythical state of being able to do everything is less meaningful than a life of focusing on a few things that count. So I love this because this is what it means by it's freeing. Because what he's saying is, again, I'll say that again, a life spent chasing the mythical state being able to do everything is less meaningful than a life of focusing on a few things that count. So a constant, oh, I'm going to catch up. Oh, I'll get done. I'll catch up this weekend. Oh, I'll write. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm going to get this all done versus going, you know what? Let me, I've got limited time this weekend. How do I really want to spend it? Because let me just say from personal experience, I have learned when I think, oh, I'm just going to get all this done this weekend first and then relax, the the, the what I have to get done is endless. Mm-hmm. So I have started to just put a go like, okay, like a, a, a no, I'm going to be done at this time. Okay, four o'clock, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to carve out my time in my day in very deliberate ways. So I do, I do, I have found that I have to be really ruthless about some of these trade-offs. That is the only way I found I can find that balance between the productivity and the things that I really that really are filling to me, fulfilling. Yeah, but if you don't if you're a person who doesn't necessarily know what's fulfilling for you, then this mm. this sounds like a real opportunity to be a quitter. Yeah, if you don't know what things are meaningful to you, that's some work you got to do personally. I mean, I don't know if it's a problem to be a quitter. Maybe that's maybe maybe no, all I don't. Of this striving is is unrealistic in the first place. I agree. Yes, that's what he's saying. I, know I that's don't what think he's saying, but I'm just I just I want to say some of these other things about it because it strikes me as very contradictory to the way we often think about values. You know, this idea that um, I should just check out, step back, let some things go. I mean, the the world doesn't stop uh, increasing in complexity. The world doesn't get any less expensive. The world doesn't um, seem to make opportunities any easier to attain. I wonder how we select those things that we drop because that's the best thing for us to do 
and keep those distinct from the things that if we were to drop them, it would be a terrible thing. I mean, that kind of discernment, I think, is not captured no. in, in advice that just tells us to kind of let stuff, some stuff go and not worry about these things. No, I mean, it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't. That is finding meaning in where you how you, like I said, do that calculus for yourself and decide that, oh, no, that that's not that's something I've been, you know, programmed to think is important. But actually, you know what? It's not important to me or giving yourself permission. You know what? I don't I don't really like parties. Maybe maybe I, I'm just going to let those go. That's not I want to connect with people in a different way. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people haven't done many times we haven't done that calculus. So it's an invitation to attempt to do that. Mm -hmm. And he says um, the only way to get around to the important stuff is instead of trying to eradicate all the other stuff, make – so he's like the – make make the important stuff first. You can let the other chips fall where they may. So he would say to Brian Tracy, no, I'm not going to eat that frog. Mm. I am going to do what – I'm going to take care of me first and then I'll get around to – that long list of right of things I should or could I'm gonna I am going to do the important stuff that I have decided in those during those four thousand weeks are important to me. Yeah, but uh, but what if I mean again when you talk about it's definitely the case right that we have a finite lifespan, right? And, um, you know, a certain number of hours a day, all this thing. But when we start talking about because of those limitations, we should strive less. That just strikes me as a terribly anti-American sentiment, right? Mm. Strikes me as a pretty anti-capitalist. Be, laz- be lazier, you mean? Like just kind of let things go. It's not just be. It's not so much be lazy. I might be be lazier, but it might also just be that um, there are values that are more important than struggle and striving for more. You know, it's almost like. If, if you were to take this seriously, you would also maybe have to take seriously the idea of something like satisfaction, like I'm able to achieve some modicum of satisfaction such that I don't feel the kind of privations that cause mm. a person to want things constantly and struggle constantly even when maybe they, they could avoid all that. You know, right. I, that right. that's just a that's that's not something that I think most of us in this culture are trained for. And it's even worse when you bring up that phenomenon that we were talking about earlier, which is retirement. Like how many people are just struggling to get to that retirement so that they can literally stop doing a job that they really dislike doing. Right. right. To be able to do in a lot of cases, what like like not a lot. Well, and I think that's, again, part of this narrative that we say that we tell ourselves that, oh, I'm, I'm just going through the motions until I get to this point and then I'll be happy. And, and that is also, that's a really dangerous trap. Yeah. Um, now, there's a technique that I think you actually might like better. They refer to this. This is a technique that I, I used and I didn't even know it was a technique. Oh, I man. used this. All right, let's do it. I developed that. Well, I don't use it maybe to the extent, but I, I use a variation of this. It's called the po- The Pomodoro technique. Are you familiar with this, Pomodoro? Yeah, it rings a bell, yeah. Okay, so this is a method for staying focused and mentally fresh and getting through your list 
but trying to find some balance here. Okay. This is the one. Isn't this the one where you work for a little while and then you take a break and like it's like there's a there's a structured time yes. thing. Yeah, and I again I found <laughs> myself using this at work and at home. I didn't even know it was a thing. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So yep. this is what you do. So step one, you pick a task. So give us an example of a task that you sometimes find either onerous or you you know have trouble fitting in what you to your day, but you gotta do it. What's what's a task? Oh grading. Grading. Okay. Yeah, All right. Grading. You're constantly oh. grading. I know. Okay. So A, pick a task, set a twenty five minute timer. Sure. Work on the task until the time is up. Take a five minute break. He has a little picture of a coffee cup. Doesn't have to be that. It could just be a right. pet the dog. Right. You know, go out, look out, stare out the window. Two and a half you know, cigarettes. Medi- medi- two yeah. and a half cigarettes. Sure. Have some sun chips and some lemonade. Whatever. Whatever. You're into, yeah. Whatever. And then every and then go back and do another twenty five minutes. Every four four pomodoros. To, Take a longer 15 to 30-minute break. Sure. Okay? And this was developed in the 1980s by the university student Francesco Cirillo. Okay, so here's why I find this works for me. I do I do a variation of this sometimes. Sometimes okay. I do it in like a, an hour block, uh, like uh, during the weekend or in the evenings when I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got da, da, da. I'll do like an hour block and I'll say, okay, I'm going to focus for an hour to get X, Y, Z done. And then the next hour I'm going to sit and read. I'm going to relax. I'm going to, you know, um, do some baking, whatever, read the times, you know, whatever would just relax me and be like fulfilling. And I, and, and so what I find that when I do that, I'm more focused and in the moment and I'm more productive because I'm not like, okay, oh, I go down to do the laundry and I get distracted. Oh shoot, I forgot I got to do this. And then I do that, you know, and I'm just sort of like drifting, trying to get stuff done. But if I'm like focused, Hmm. I find that I'm much better, better, and I just so I kind of do a variation of tech. I find it really helpful. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you would like to try that, and re- if you think you'd be willing to try that and report back. Oh sure, I mean I've used I've used uh, those kinds of things before. You I mean, have? I'm not, yeah, I'm not against it at all. I think that uh, any any methods of structuring your time can be useful. I mean, would you, I, would I you like be willing to try? Okay. Now I got to warn you though. Uh-oh. Here's a warning. Uh-oh. This is a big glaring warning. Is it in the paper? It's, it's, I'm connecting this paper to this paper because this is, there's a big warning. You All know right. what it is? No. What are you not supposed to do during the five minutes? Guess. What are you not supposed that most people would be a go-to when they are like, I'm really focused, and then well, how do I break? What are they going to use? What are they going to do in those five minutes? Now they're going to get on their phone. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. This is what Berkman says. This was like a drop the mic thing. He says, okay, I certainly think that Silicon Valley has a lot to answer for when it comes to its role in pulling us away from what we want to focus on. But at the same time, we do sort of cooperate. If I'm working on a difficult article. Or in your case, let's say you're grading and you're just like, oh, I'm just grading these papers. It's not like I'm really happy doing it. But Twitter comes and takes me away from it. Mm. Instead, I run away to Twitter because the article is challenging me and causing me to experience uncomfortable emotions. And Twitter promises the opposite. So he says the reason we seek distraction is that working on stuff we care about is scary. It brings us into contact with all the ways that we're limited. Our talents might not be up for what we're trying to do. We can't control how things will unfold. Mm. If you're writing a difficult article, you don't get to know in advance that it's going to come out 
well, mm. which can make you feel constrained and imprisoned by reality. Yeah. Meanwhile, the internet feels limitless, like all you're an all-powerful consciousness surfing the unlimited waves of the web and social media. It's very relieving. I was like, OMG. Huh. It's like the opposite of critical thinking in mm. some ways. Mm. It's like I go to Facebook or go to Instagram, and it's just... It's just a scroll of just like stuff that I don't have to think about point of view or assumptions. Well, I kind of do, depending on what it is. But his point is that it's we go to relieve us from having to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I thought, was a really powerful way to talk about when we get in front. This whole thing we've talked about, this phenomenon of using the phone to distract us from boredom or something hard or something difficult or some other emotion it's an escape yeah maybe maybe i mean i can appreciate that i have a lot of questions about what is the difference between the mental state that i'm in when i'm working and the mental state that i'm in when i'm interacting with my phone. And I would say Daniel Kahneman would say it's thinking fast and thinking slow. Well, maybe it is, right? But it might not be, especially if my work is the kind of work that is repetitive and monotonous. It might be the case that it might be the case that the level or if my social media is particularly complex, yes. it could be the case that I'm doing you know, fast thinking in both places or slow thinking in both places. Absolutely. There yeah. are exceptions to this, no question. Well, I'm but. just not, I mean, I'm just not sure when we talk about going to the phone for escape, I'm wondering what we're doing on it such that we don't, don't think. Because, I mean, for me, I suppose I would be looking probably at news and seeing if there were communications from important people um, who I'd been, you know, in, in case they needed me for whatever was going on at the time. And I'm not sure, while those might be distracting in the moment of looking for them, I'm not sure that if I were to engage in those digital interactions, that that would actually be a lower quality interaction than... Right. So in your case, that may not be. But I think his point about the tendency to escape, to use it as escape, like as opposed to like, hmm, let me log on and see what's happening with the news or check out what's going on. If we're just like, oh, just, you know, like, oh, this is really hard. And we use it as an escape from our own thoughts or escape from feelings that feel hard that we don't, you know, just the mm -hmm. way like mm -hmm. when I had talked to friends who said they got really into cigarettes, it was like, oh, Ann, that's my stress relief, right? Like mm -hmm. like a friend of mine, never forget, he said, if I quit smoking and I didn't have another coping mechanism uh -huh. that smoking did for me, yeah. then I wasn't, there's no way I was going to give it up. So, huh. so it's how, I think the point is it could be different for you and other people, but I think his larger point though about right taking a break a really meaningful break after those 25 minutes yeah. because man you can get on social media and you know you know 20 minutes go and you're like whoa i just spent 20 minutes or half an hour of my 4,000 weeks <laughs> did was that really yeah. was that really satisfying uh, right maybe yes maybe no right, right right i thought it's powerful stuff 
Well, it seems like uh, for a lot of us, this will be a really important catalyst to our thinking, and I'm glad that you brought it on the show. Really? Are you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's important for us to think about uh, real-world issues and definitely uh, time management. What was it? Temporal? uh, Construal. Temporal construal. And I would imagine that that idea is useful for everyone. Even you. 